0: I have a question for you, and maybe an opportunity for you to introduce DJ Mentos, whose music we use, and who who I keep now kind of keep drawing more and more backing tracks off of and turning them into things on this podcast. Tell us a little bit about who this guy is, and uh, you know how you know him, and how he came to be like the audio, the the music voice of this podcast.
1: Well, re- remember in the midland days, I don't say the old days of podcasts, but where we would kind of have like a I don't know. It sounded like maybe like a time life rock track as our (laughs) our podcast backing music. And here are your hosts. And I was like, hey, I know a guy who makes music and um, prolifically at that. And a lot of it is instrumental and doesn't have words. So it'd be perfect for a podcast. Um, He's a good friend of mine from Randolph-Macon College. So he's D3 to the grain like the rest of us. And um, actually just put out a new album called Fresh Air uh which is another set of 12 instrumentals so um he uh lived in New York for a long time and and uh moved back to Richmond and is now working with a lot of artists in Richmond so sort of that same maybe that D3 ethos where you like you know you you kind of come back to uh to where you came from and uh and grow with the people the local folks instead of uh you know necessarily trying to make the big time makes the big time where he is there you go
0: uh i should say a track from fresh air uh called dogfish is uh featured in a a new drop slash interstitial later in this podcast you know i think previously uh i know that at some point we used yeah generic backing rock track from royaltyfreemusic.com or something along those lines and i can't remember if we did this in the podcast but we definitely uh, stretched the lines of licensing by using for our uh, our old game of the week liners for at one point the uh, the track the the theme song from ESPN's uh, Playmakers. Remember that show?
1: Is this is this?
0: I am that one. The Incredible Man. I only do things incredible can. Yeah, yeah, we use that.
1: Yeah, that was the every time we broadcast a game, right? That was the I felt like that was that was like our way of getting hyped up in the in the uh in the booth, ready for game time. Oh, yeah, and it was
0: actually very effective at that. That's one of the the best things about a track like that, or any other of the things that we do is like it's as much about getting me, at least I can't speak for you on this, obviously. in in broadcast mode you know other than nervous cough which i think nervous cough kind of went away way around 2013 or 2014 but uh, those are the things that would uh, happen before we would go on the air
1: yeah i was definitely going to make a reference to nervous cough i think for um for the color analyst mark simon told me this a long time ago he used to work with uh t3football.com in the very early days he said uh you know you you prepare as much as you can for the broadcast and Ninety percent of it you won't use, but the ten percent, you know, will be right there at the tip of your tongue. And so I'm kind of always in like, crashing facts and stories about the players, and you know where they're from, or you know some great game they've had, or something like that. I think that kind of gets me into it too. But it never hurts to have uh, have some good music to lock us in. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation Podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan.
0: And welcome. Thanks for downloading and tuning us in here on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Pat Coleman, uh, I'm I'm always here. I think I'm on all the podcasts because someone has to edit them. And we welcome back Keith McMillan. Keith, uh, you know, your shoes, as they say, were hard to fill. But uh, Jim Catanzaro did a, uh, you know, did Yeoman's work. No, I'm sorry. Did Forrester's work in getting it done?
1: Yeah, I don't know if they were that hard to fill. You found somebody good at the job and it took you one try <laughs> to find someone good and I'm actually glad uh, that you're having me back that I still have a job I think probably only because coach has a game to uh, to coach again eventually and I probably should get back to game planning at some point
0: yeah I'm sure that I could probably find another coach or another couple of coaches who might be interested in doing it but the, the cold calling of the other 246 before you get to I don't know probably would be willing to host the podcast for all i know uh co-host he'd be good he probably uh, yeah i mean i don't know the tangents in that in that uh podcast would be uh uh would be self inflicted i think both of us would be in danger of doing something like that but uh yeah it's definitely it's good to have you back and uh we appreciate you being here did you have a good assignment yes
1: (laughs) yeah um so it's good to i don't know where i'm going with that Oh well, it's always good to um to get away, um even during football season, which I think we've done what three times now in twenty years or however long we've done the podcast twelve years.
0: Yeah, I mean not very often, right? The years that we've done the podcast not very often. I remember one time way way back in the day, like two thousand five, I wrote an around the nation column, uh and and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, those weeks off are are hard to come by around here. That's for sure.
1: Well, and of course, you know the football season really is about seventeen, eighteen weeks, right? If you add the five for the playoffs, the eleven regular season, and then of course, I mean, I guess foot uh, kickoff planning in the preseason is several weeks for uh, for most of us on the uh, on the back end. But um, for a long time, my regular job was also centered around the NFL, so I pretty much burned all my vacation time by the time training camps opened in July and was never really going anywhere again until January or February anyway. So it was easy to be around. Uh, But occasionally life happens. And I I think most of our listeners probably have this happen occasionally during football season where you'd love to be at a game on a certain weekend. But, you know, now that you're 30 or 35 or 40 or 45 or whatever, you know, you have to like go to a child's thing on Saturday at one o'clock. And you're like, who schedules a birthday party on Saturday at at one o'clock don't they know this is like d3 football time well you know occasionally life does happen
0: yeah when we were younger those were the sort of things where like people would schedule weddings for that time of day and it's like what are you thinking who is who's scheduling this
1: yeah and and you know if you get married in the fall it's not just that one year you get married that you miss the uh that fall weekend you know, because your your anniversary will come around every year. And so now you have to miss week three every year for the rest of your married life.
0: I got married on Saturday, August 31st, 1996, and it has never been an issue. Saturday and August 31st have uh, have never been a Division three game day, and that's kind of just the way the schedule is set up. This year, of course, schedule sets up late, right? We didn't even start until the 7th because... You know, August 31st was a Saturday. And now we're at a week where we're kind of in between, right? The uh, the larger conferences, the 10-team conferences, are full bore onto conference play. Uh, the Centennial, of course, is in its second week of conference play. Uh, some OAC teams played conference games. Now we're going to have basically all of them are full in for the rest of the season. And then, you know, we've got other conferences where you're still trying to get in that last non-conference game, right? Who is going to play you know, uh, Wesley this week. I know I Endicott. heard I heard the crickets out there, but uh, Keith, obviously right on top of it. Yeah. Endicott. That's a that's a non-conference game because, you know, you've got three non-conference games if you're an NJAC foe. So we've got like uh, a kind of a mixture this week and a, a lot of uh, games of both varieties, both stripes and solids to talk about.
1: <laughs> wow. Good stretch. Uh, yeah, this is the, this is the week where, you know, if you're OAC, if you're the pack, uh, and, and, you know, bigger, not eight, nine, 10 team conferences, you're now a couple weeks into conference play, but other conferences, uh, that are a little smaller, you'll still see those, those odd matchups like your are rowing at Hobart, which is a, uh, you know, great game that we're looking forward to this weekend. Um, and, uh, in, in, you know, different ones uh, of that sort. So wh- there's a there, there will be a mix of uh, of games that we preview that are conference openers or that are, even if you're a couple weeks in, like, say, the Centennial, um, you may have a really big game already here in the third week of the season, third week of September. And this game is, is like, the one that puts one team out in front, mm-hmm. and, and that team may be in the lead for, you know, six, seven, eight weeks if uh, if crazy things don't happen. Following that, or, you know, a lot of teams are just popping the top uh, or, or get in their last non-conference game in. So we should have some fun ones to talk about. Uh, this week and let's uh, probably jump right into it
0: yeah we're gonna do that in just a moment we're gonna talk of course about our sponsor for this week's podcast and it's our friends at gotta have it at uh, gotta have it fan where there are layers to their madness which uh, is uh something that uh, is like this foam uh sign and if you have not seen them before uh, if you haven't been to gotta have it uh you can click the link uh, out of our show notes or on the uh, the show page on, uh, on D3Football.com and on our blog. So you can take a look at that. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at one of these in front of me. It happens to be the uh, Whitewater one where, you know, there's the big kind of thick layer of background foam. And then there's the purple, which makes up, uh, you know, the the feathers of the Warhawk. And then there's a white layer and a gray layer. And it has this kind of effect of, A, of course, giving it a three-dimensional look and giving a little heft to it, right? It's not just a, a poster or something like that that you put on the wall. Uh, right. And then uh, and then on the back, I'm uh, noticing kind of for the first time, I'm not a very handy person. Uh, And uh, anybody who lives in my house Will be the second, third, fourth, and fifth people To remind me of that But, you know, there's a couple of holes here on the back Which make it super easy to hang Even I couldn't screw this up And because it's, you know, substantial But not, like, super heavy I'm gonna basically think about doing it here In the walls in my office With uh, a couple of thumbtacks There are probably better ways to do it But, you know, what do I know? I'm I'm a liberal arts major, for goodness sake
1: yeah I, I think you're right though that it, that it's sort of um, it's significant enough and detailed enough that it looks really nice on your wall, but you also could put it in like the camper, you could bring it to the the tailgate without having it fall apart or or anything like that. I think it is a really cool product. and as we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, it's also made by people who are of d3. so if you support us and you support the podcast, uh, we appreciate their support, and also we appreciate you listeners going to support uh, God Habit fan films.
0: Yeah, so if you are a fan of UW-Whitewater, of Mary Harden Baylor, Mount Union, Johns Hopkins, East Texas Baptist, those are schools already in the system. We talked with uh, Coach Catanzaro. Uh, it sounds like he really wants to get Lake Forest into this, and if you're a Division three coach or a sports information director or a marketing person or an athletic director, at a Division three school, you want to get this for your school, you go to GottaHaveItFanFoams.com. For those of you who are new to the podcast or new to our Friday podcast, this is where we kind of run down the big games that are coming for the week. We'll have five games to watch, which we'll go over in some detail coming up in a little bit. But there's a lot of games on the docket that are really worth touching on, Keith, uh, You know um, that we uh, won't necessarily have some of our previews of later. And I don't want to forget, you know, like... Illinois Wesleyan plays Wheaton this week. Uh, Baldwin-Wallace and Mount union Barry and Trinity of Texas. Norwich plays Coast Guard, and that's like Norwich's Bicentennial, and there's a uh, that's a rivalry game for the Mug. There's just a lot of stuff going down this weekend worth keeping an eye on and worth us at least touching on a little bit here in this podcast.
1: Yeah, and, and I wish I'd had this one at the tip of my tongue earlier when I was looking for an example of non-conference games, I think, Ah, uh, Huntington and UW Oshkosh is is really interesting, especially after Oshkosh came out to Maryland from Wisconsin and uh, and played a, a tight one against Salisbury um, and lost that game. And you know, uh, now you're trying to see we that's a great game that we can use as a interconference comparative game. So uh, Oshkosh and Salisbury, Oshkosh and and um, Huntington. Uh, And there are other good games. There have been a handful of really nice games uh, between the SCIAC and the NWC this this season. There always are because those are the West Coast schools, and there just aren't a whole lot of options for non-conference games. Uh, But Pomona-Pitzer goes to George Fox this weekend, and I think we've mentioned a couple of the George Fox games because they've played some interesting games so far this season, uh, including last week traveling to new york from oregon and playing alfred and i believe that was a was that a one point game did my memory serve me that's
0: i think your memory serves fine
1: yeah that's always nice uh but pomona pitzer is one of the teams that um that sky coaches were pretty hot on um in the preseason, essentially because they have a really high-powered offense
0: Right. Whitworth at Chapman on paper in previous years would have been a really good game. I don't know as much about Chapman right now. We're going to talk more in depth about Linfield and Redlands later. I mean, this is basically an entire week of these conferences playing each other, right? Whittier plays Lewis and Clark and uh, Claremont plays Pacific Lutheran, and I think that just about covered it. I think that was everybody.
1: Yeah, and uh, there are certain conferences that tend to match up this way. Uh, At one point, you know, there was the uh, Mac and Jack challenge and the, what was the other one in the Midwest the neck and the and
0: the mi they still do it yeah
1: oh well there you go. that's why I, uh, I was struggling to remember it was a, it wasn't in the past at all I was looking in the wrong part of my brain. but I actually think uh, of the games you mentioned though, you know we always kind of are excited to see other OAC teams that might be good play Mountain Union. Um, and that generally is like more excitement on the front end than it is on Saturday afternoon when you see the score and it's like 52-10. You're like, I oh, we shouldn't have gotten excited about that one. Don't spend a lot of time necessarily uh, getting into that. I think this Illinois-Wesley and Wheaton game could be very interesting, especially when you um, also factor in that North Central and Wash U are playing on Saturday. So the CCIW will give us a couple of really early contenders, but when you have four, potentially five, really good teams at the top of your conference, it means that this one week, even though two teams are going to at least two teams are going to strike first, um, you know they may come back and have upsets later on in the season, and so you really want to get a good look at uh, at the CCIW games. I think that's going to be maybe a four-way race.
0: I think those are the four teams that we're definitely going to be talking about here. Yeah, it's like we start the winnowing right. But, uh, you know, then whoever wins these games this week, you know, obviously they still have to go on and face each other. It's like we got a little four-team tournament, but even one where, you know, the third-place team might still be a postseason factor. Or if there's a, you know, one of those lovely three-way ties. And no, there's no good tiebreaker for a three-way tie in uh, college football where you only play each other once. So they are all bad tiebreakers. So try to avoid that.
1: Yeah, and the other cool thing about this is uh game game under the lights, the uh, the North Central Wash U game, and I'm scrolling up, but I'm pretty sure this uh, the Sweeten game is in the afternoon.
0: They are both night games, so you got ah. you could, but you could double screen them. That's probably what I'll be doing.
1: That's true. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Uh, it would be cool if you could have a whole day of uh, you know you just you just project one from the laptop to your big TV in your living room, and you could watch from two to six. But you can always do that. You always find the um, the scores page um on d3football.com and it will have all the the audio and video links and uh if you're you don't even have to be tech savvy like less less savvy than pat trying to ha- hang a fan foam you can project from your laptop to your big screen tv get a d3 game going uh and you know pump up the the sound bar and uh watch it like you watch uh, all the other football in the world
0: One other thing to talk about before we uh, go to a break uh, is we got uh, just kind of uh, unsolicited uh, piece of content. From Dave to, Dave DePercio. if you are a person who frequents our message board, which you probably should be, if you're a fan enough to listen to our podcast, you're probably fan enough to participate in a message board. It's a forum. It's these things that used to be popular in the 90s. We still have one. People still go to it. Anyway, he's a regular there. The uh, President's Box now at CNU Stadium, and uh, I'm Sad that I don't know what it's called now because it's not Pomoco. You remember Pomoco Stadium.
1: I was definitely going to go there with that, too.
0: Yeah, it's not that anymore. Anyway, had some thoughts about uh, Christopher Newport's 0-2 start. Um, yeah, so... He says, and I'm just going to pick up a, a little bit of it here. What does this spoiled captains fan do or think when an 0 and 2 start and a tough conference schedule looming, which only de- increases the chances of being the only second ever losing season in CNU football history? Uh, and he says, I keep cheering. I keep coming to the games. I keep supporting the captains. And no fan is truly a fan unless she, he complains about the team. So, you know, you might do your share of that. And I'm now jumping out of directly quoting him. But, uh, you know, if you are. Let's say maybe you're a fan of, oh, let's pick Teal. How about that? And, you know, t- things are struggling, right? Teal right now has the longest active losing streak in Division Three football. Are you going to leave the game early, or are you just going to stand there with a, with a bottle of Coke? That's what I'm asking.
1: Yeah, you made the reference I was going to make. Uh, CNU also probably in good shape this weekend playing... Brevard, the Tornadoes.
0: Yeah, and Brevard has gotten like half of one game in all season, so yeah, that's a good point. Now, on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, joined by Mike Schmidt, the head coach at UW Lacrosse. His team Two and zero off its second overtime win of the season, defeating Illinois Wesleyan on Saturday by a score of thirty three to twenty seven. Coach, uh, you talked in the post game scrum a little bit about how this was a great defensive performance. It you know you, it's hard to say that when you look at the number of total yards you guys gave up, but seven takeaways really makes a big difference. Yeah,
2: that's all that it's about. Every single every single football coach would, that that knows anything about anything is going to tell you that turnovers are the name of the game. We get outplayed, outpossessed out yardage everything just flat out outplayed but we have seven takeaways and ultimately one that we two that we score on and so uh yeah that's that's just what it's about that's what we do every single day here that's what we're all about we're all about the football and getting it and we've seen the results here in the first couple of games we're sure are creating a lot of a lot of turnovers but I think it's a mindset but I think most importantly I mean you saw how hard those guys play how hard they hit they're after the football until the echo of the whistle and that's what it's all about the the coaches or the fans cliche
0: right is bend but not break this seems like the definition of that
2: that's and that's what I kept telling coach Chance. he would he'd freak out a little bit on the sidelines I'd say hey coach Chance, make them move the ball they're not good enough to score on us they're not good enough to matriculate down and keep doing it now they did a good job you know finding ways to score the ball but you can just see the longer we had them possess the ball the longer that they we had them do stuff they'd turn the ball over and that's what our plan was
0: you had a couple big plays early on, obviously, to take a lead. Um, and you know, then kind of settled in a little bit, and then Illinois was and kind of figured out, you know how to run the ball on you guys a little bit, how to complete, some, what what passes and what passing plays made sense for them.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that's, they, they really took away a lot of our stuff that we were doing. I thought they did a good job adjusting to what we had. Um, but again, we gotta be able to run the football better, but you know, we just got we, down the stretch, we found a way to get the ball to our best players. Cole Speaker, who is a tremendous player and everybody out there that's listening, Cole Speaker is a great player. He's a unanimous WIC player last year, doesn't get near the recognition that he should. He's an incredible player uh, and you know, comes up big for us, was able to take away some uncheck and speaker a little bit, but ultimately when it comes down to it, we're just going to keep trying to find ways to get them the ball. We got to play better at quarterback, uh, but dang, what a a gutsy performance by the offense to come down and and score on that two-minute drive to tie the game.
0: Well, and yeah, and so with struggles at quarterback on Saturday, you guys then put speaker in to take some direct snaps and do some different things on offense.
2: Yeah, we ran a little bit of single wing, old school single wing. Let's go, you know, and uh, we, we we went down to Alabama and visited with, with the best guys that that, that are that, that run that stuff. We're ready for it. We got to find a way to possess the ball. That was our way to keep our defense off the field was try to run the ball, running some single wing and getting some different looks that will continue to evolve. But just giving Cole Speaker, Jake, some the ball uh, in the backfield and letting them run some single wing so trying to be creative getting the ball
0: so kind of assess your team here through two weeks you know uh, an overtime win against Concordia Moorhead and and Moorhead and uh, you know gave Whitewater everything it could handle in week two Uh, and then obviously this uh, overtime win here against a ranked team in Illinois Wesleyan
2: yeah I think we played two really good teams I I actually thought Moorhead was a lot better than I thought they were gonna be there that's a good football team Uh, Illinois Wesleyan's a great football team everybody that's out there to see them play Um, but you know our team's good We have a good roster. We have good players. We've had good players. This is the group that we've been building for since I got here three years ago. This is our senior class. This is what we've been ready to do. We didn't come here. I talked with you in 2016 right here about trying to come back and play for a championship, and nobody believed us. And we did. (laughs) We sure did. We have a good football team. We have a good roster that believes in what's happening right now. we got to get the offense straightened out. If we can get our offense straightened out and have some success running the ball, we're going to be a pretty good football team.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, one of the things we talked about then too was that, you know, the in the era before you took over, that the team had really scheduled itself some super challenging yep. non conference games and had really struggled and maybe went into the conference schedule beaten up or something like that. You guys kind of scaled that back a little bit and now it's back with a vengeance in terms of who you guys have uh, put on the schedule.
2: Yeah, and without a doubt. I mean, last year we played Illinois Wesleyan as well. We played uh, Dickinson State last year, who finished seventh in the country in NAI. They're seventh in the country in NAI right now. Uh, that's, we're trying to get ourselves ready to bounce back, play back-to-back games. We got to beat Ashgash and Whitewater in the conference play in order to do that. So we ramped up our scheduling and and uh, tried to get in. If you watch that team, though, you're you're going to tell me that's not one of the best 25, 30 teams in the country. You're just wrong. Um, you know, we we've gotten a, a, to a point where we can we can play with anybody. You know, last year we were up 7-3 on Whitewater at half. We're down 10-7 going into the fourth. We played them as, as well as anybody. And that's what it's about, scheduling these games to get ourselves ready to beat Whitewater and Oshkosh. Uh You talked a little bit about uh, football being a game of analytics. And, you know, I... I'm a baseball guy
0: and I understand baseball and it being a game of analytics. Tell us a little bit about how that works out in football.
2: Yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, the the, the root of it is just get your best players the football, right? But when people take away your best player, that's, that, I mean, that's just what other teams do. You got to find ways to get them the ball. And and so for us, you can just look at our stats and say, oh, they're not getting the ball to everybody else. They're getting the ball to Cole Speaker, Jake Samanchek, Joey Stutzman and, and the quarterback, right? So, you know, for us, it's just saying we track that, we mark that, we have ways on how we're doing that. Are, they getting it to the right, to the left? We have a lot of metrics that we're scaling up in the in the press box about that because we don't want to, we sure don't want to go an extended period of time without getting our best players the ball because no other team does that right to you. So why would you ever do that to another team? Everything we do defensively, offensively is all about analytics on the player. Every single weekend we break down where's the matchups, who do we like, who do we like over who and how then can we get them the ball on the players that we like? And you saw that at the end of the game, we went right back to speaker on the puck that's what we wanted. We went right back to guys down the sideline. That's what we wanted. Went right back to Joyce Stutzman. It's all about tracking those things and where you're getting them the football.
0: With a D3 staff and a D3 budget, and you know probably D3 quality of video, how how do you go about doing that? How accurate do you feel that is, et cetera?
2: Well, I got 20 coaches on our staff. <laughs> so, I, I mean, only three of them are full-time coaches, um, you know, with it. But we got a lot of guys that break that down. We got a lot of smart guys with that. Um, ultimately, it's it's tracking numbers, times, test scores, watching the other team. We don't watch. I mean, we watch the schematics of it, but you know the schematics of what's going on. It's that's not a difficult thing. It's saying who's their player, how fast is he, how matchup on other players that you can watch and do that stuff. How, how can you get them in space where you can track how many steps they're taking if every five yards, every ten yards, things like that is what we're trying to break down stride length and speed and and then put it in all together against our guys with it.
0: That sounds really interesting, and that seems like fodder for a longer conversation at some other point rather than at, uh, you know, 4.50 on a Saturday afternoon. Is some of that, too, I understand you you mentioned that you moved uh, Jack Roth from, uh, I
2: guess, maybe from safety to corner this yeah. week. Is that part of that, too? Yeah, I mean, that's just all part of it is, is saying, okay, where's our best guy? Okay, Joey Roth was a backup safety because we got two really good ones, and Pete Kissling is a great safety. That guy's a great player, and you saw him and, and Healy matched up all day today, um, and we saw Joey Roth. Was not playing. Uh, we said, "Okay, well, why, are, why is that guy who appears to be one of our better players not playing?" And we went back, started it, looked at it, said, "Okay, we got to move him to corner. Let him play corner. He was a safety at Mankato, and now he's you know playing, starting at corner for us because he's fast, he hits, he runs, he plays hard, and he's a competitor. And all of those things are all that we track and move into it. So moved him to corner two weeks ago, and there he started playing a heck of a heck of the first two games.
0: I would have to think a guy who can play safety at the D two level is going to be pretty big, and an imposing guy at corner at the D three level.
2: Oh, you would think so, right? I mean, that's it. Just that's just how it works. Coming back down. I mean, you don't win D three games with D three talent. You win Division three games with Division two and Division one talent. And if you look at the best teams in the country, which we're trying to be one of those teams, uh, those teams have Division two and Division one players on them.
0: Obviously, Keith, there's a room to have a lot longer conversation about analytics. Like I said, I can't imagine you know someone who comes out of our era and you know what they would have had to have done in order to get some of that information and just be able to compile it in the old days or even as recently as like five years ago
1: i mean we do live in an amazing time um pat you and i have made this comment on the pod before i think where you're like remember how you used to have to exchange tape videotapes and like one of the assistants on tuesday i think it was maybe it was monday they had to drive to whatever the halfway point was unless or, or they had to Next day, air the the game tape, so they couldn't even do the game breakdowns. You know, now the the, the stuff is all online, and they can exchange tape uh, or video at this point, and, uh, and and do that and start the breakdowns right away. So they're like two two days ahead, and with that extra time, I think you're you're dealing with some of the smartest people, not just the smartest, um, you know, teams or or men, you know, but the, the smartest people in football, not uh, not just smartest people in D three. I guess what I was trying to say. And with those extra coaches and coaching staff, you know, they should be um, analyzing the analytics, not just in the way that he was saying, although uh, Co- Coach Schmidt's way of uh, analyzing it, I think was um, was really unique and, and, and innovative, right? To um, figure out the best ways, or the, you know, the best, you're not just snapping the ball and kind of calling the game off field, but you're thinking, what's the smartest way to, uh, to use our personnel? Um, situationally, you know you see you see it um in pro football and in in other divisions of college football where um uh, the 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 phrases you know you can't you can't date the analytics you have to marry the analytics you have to be consistent about going for two and when the situation tells you to go for two uh, going for it on fourth down when when the situations tell you um, that area of the field where you should be kicking field goals where you should be punting mm-hmm. it's different for every team because every team doesn't have a, the same kicker um, and D three has a history of being one of the most innovative places in football maybe because there's a little bit less pressure to to win to keep your job and so um, men can be creative coaches can 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 take risks so you'll see like really odd speed offenses like say Amherst um, in, in, you know in, in basketball it's it's Grinnell um, or you'll see innovations that end up becoming um, parts of football at all levels like the pistol offense which was started. In uh, at Ohio Northern in in 1999 or thereabouts, so you'll you'll uh, the you're dealing with some of the smartest people in football at the D3 level. So, why wouldn't we use analytics in every possible way?
0: Yeah, you and I were having just the beginnings of a conversation off air a couple of weeks ago about you know, what are now the new and innovative things that people are doing schematically, right? You mentioned the pistol, that's a great. Uh, example that i hadn't even thought of you know we talked about uh the fly and mark when mark speckman was at willamette yeah. and that sort of thing and now that and and that sort of thing has kind of pervaded all levels of uh football including even professional football so you know maybe the next thing isn't necessarily schematic in that sense it's more about the analytics coming to this level and and schools using it who are early adopters finding an advantage
1: and I think actually this is a time where we can turn the microphones out towards our, our uh, listeners and have this is a time for you to let us know when you're seeing something that um, just looks unique or looks innovative or um, you don't know what it is. You know, you've seen it before or, uh, you know, you hear coaches or or other folks around a program discussing a certain way that they that things are done that uh, is not traditional, you know, we'd love to hear about it because I think as as much as Pat and I and, you know, Ryan and Adam and Frank and everybody else, as much as we all would like to watch 112 games and think about what 247 teams are doing offensively or with the analytics or whatever, you know, we just don't have the uh, the, the human capability to do that. So anything you guys see that, that um, even is just worth us asking about, Because a lot of times, you know, nobody toots their own horn until we ask about it. And then we realize, oh, man, they just did something, you know, really creative or innovative or whatever. Um, So please, uh, please pass along what you see in here.
0: All right. Now we're up to our five games to watch. And Keith, uh, my game to watch for Saturday is going to be Gustavus Adolphus at St. John's. You know, this might seem unusual. St. John's has won 20 of the past 21 meetings between these schools. But, you know, since the Johnnies just got past UW Stout in week one and Gustavus kind of basically had their way with Stout in week two, this game gets high marks on the radar of anybody who likes to play the comparative scores game. And when you think back to Gustavus giving St. Thomas a game last year, it's not hard to picture this being a game as well. Okay, so I threw that in there thinking that this would be the place where I would then come back and say, hey, this isn't how it's going to happen, and you can't play comparative scores. Well, and while that's true, football scores are not commutative. There wasn't a bad loss on Gustavus' record last year that would counteract that close loss to St. Thomas. But here's where I think things do shift. Jackson Erdman is going to figure out his new receivers or you know, maybe more importantly they're going to figure him out and with an extra week of practice between game one and game two I think you have to think that these guys are going to catch the ball and Erdman is not going to go two for eight in the first quarter like he did in week one or six for 15 in the first half now on the other side Gustavus also has a senior quarterback in Michael Veldman they have two senior receivers and a senior tight end and they will definitely provide more of a passing threat to the Johnny defense than Stout did in week one
1: I love that you chose that game, Pat. I think it is uh, the, the comparative score game being one of my favorites. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a great game for us to watch from afar. My game this week is Susquehanna at Muhlenberg. Hey, when's the last time you had an in-depth preview of a Susquehanna game? Well, it's happening. Oh, it's happening, sweetheart.
3: Oh, it's happening, sweetheart. Shut up. Shut up.
1: The Riverhawks earned the airtime after rallying from down 24-7 to nip Johns Hopkins for the second straight year. This time around, it was 77, 99, and 75-yard touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, but to keep pace with Muhlenberg, which is averaging more than 40 points per game so far, albeit against subpar competition, Susky will have to get its offense on track much earlier. Look for quarterback Michael Rusich to get Micah Christian and Jaden Buchanan going early to balance its running attack and match what Muhlenberg will do with Michael Hnetkowski, Ryan Curtis, and Mitch Daniels. Turnovers have not been a major issue for either team, but the defenses will need to be optu- opportunistic to keep it from being a shootout. With Hopkins having a loss in the books, early season control of Centennial Conference is at stake. And now let's throw it to Adam Turher, who's taken on Wash U at North Central. How's this for a conference opener?
3: There are four teams from the CCIW ranked in the top 25. All four play one another in the opening weekend of CCIW play. Number 18, Illinois Wesleyan looks to bounce back at number 17, Wheaton. Number 24, Washington University hosts number 5, North Central. I'm intrigued by the matchup in St. Louis. The Bears made waves in their first season in the CCIW last year, finishing 7-2 and two in league play. Johnny Davidson is back at quarterback and tossed five touchdown passes in the season opening win over Chicago. His North Central counterpart, Brock Rutter, also had a smooth senior season debut passing for three touchdowns in a rout of Christopher Newport. The matchup to watch in this game is the Bears' defensive front, led by Peter Pagatti, going up against the vaunted Cardinals offensive line, led by Charmore Clark. Clark might be the best player in the country to not show up in a box score this season. The Cardinals have challenged themselves early, and the universe has thrown additional obstacles their way. First was the long journey to the Atlantic coast to face Christopher Newport, marked by multiple travel delays and the threat of hurricane weather. North Central survived that trap game with ease. But the Week 2 bye for both teams was surprisingly eventful. Wash U's head coach, Larry Kinbaum, announced last week that 2019 would be his final season. Coach K is synonymous with Bears football and has guided the program to 186 wins in 31 seasons. You know his players would love nothing more than to send him off with a conference title. Kinbaum could have announced his retirement tour in the offseason or even during fall camp. Instead, the reigning North Region Coach of the Year, waited until his team was preparing to host its home opener at night against the defending conference champion. The Bears have all the motivation they need, and the Cardinals will have to dig deep to avoid the upset. The stakes are as high as they can get for a week three battle.
0: Thanks, Adam. And now over to Greg Thomas.
4: We've got some Division III football after dark this weekend as number 11 Linfield travels down to the foothills of the San Gabriels to take on Redlands at Ted Runner Stadium. As has been well documented and discussed by D3Football.com, Linfield opened their season in week two with a cross country road trip at Rowan. The Wildcats got out of New Jersey with a win and a quick sprint through New York City but have little time to savor that trip as they find themselves right back on the plane for another 1,000-mile road trip this weekend. Wildcats had a stop-and-start kind of game last week, getting out to an early 14-0 lead before having the Profs battle back to tie the game in the third quarter, then eventually pulling away with a 35-14 win. White Smith was sharp in his first start of the year, throwing for 283 yards and four Wildcat touchdowns. However, Linfield had some struggles with the rush game on both sides of the ball, running for just 51 yards while allowing over 200 yards rushing to the profs head coach Joe Smith will hope that he sees typical game one to game two improvement in these areas as his Wildcats are facing a Redlands team that has been racing up and down the field in their first two games of the year. The Bulldogs are rushing for 259 yards per game this year with running backs Kai Thompson and Mason Carvalho having split the carries in the backfield with fairly equal success. The flashpoint in the Bulldog offense, however, has been junior quarterback Nathan Martinez. Martinez is a dual-threat quarterback that has run for 140 yards already this season, while he's also completing 75% of his passes with six touchdowns versus zero interception. There's plenty at stake in the game on Saturday night. For Linfield, they can get through a challenging first two weeks of the season unblemished and enter Northwest Conference play with momentum rather than the question marks they had at this time last year. A quick peek at the Wildcats schedule also indicates that the runway is pretty clear for the Wildcats all the way into November, where they'll face the other top contenders in their league. For Redlands, there's a chance to notch a signature win for their program against a team that has ruled D3's Far West for a long, long time. And if that isn't enough storylines for everybody, we're on milestone watch as well, as Redlands coach Mike Maynard is sitting on 199 career wins. Beating Linfield in front of the home crowd would certainly be a spectacular way to become the eighth active D3 coach in the 200-win club. And now, back to Pat and Keith. And we'll finish it up with Frank Rossi. From in the Huddle
5: and D3Football.com, I'm Frank Rossi. There's a plethora of good games in the East region this weekend, but one that's caught the attention of playoff watchers is Alfred at number 22 Ithaca Saturday at 1 p.m. Both teams had great Week 1 games as they beat much lesser opponents by a combined score of 108-28, but Week 2 proved to be an interesting balance. The Saxons, who were expected to beat West Coast visitor George Fox by a few touchdowns, had a score in the fourth quarter and hold on for a 15-14 victory. Ithaca, on the other hand, had a Week 2 bye after graduate transfer quarterback Joe Germanario had six touchdowns in the air at St. Vincent in Week 1. However, with the yardage totals only differing by 86 yards in that 38-point game, the real difference maker was the Ithaca defense's ability to force four turnovers in that game. German area will face a much stronger defense Saturday, as the Saxons have given up an average of 150 yards of offense per game, with a pretty even run-pass split in that average. But offensively, Alfred is still looking to find a premier running back to replace prolific Nacer Smith, and senior quarterback Casey Boston's numbers have been somewhat muted, with him completing 11 of just 17 pass attempts in two games for 174 yards and one touchdown in the air. He has two rushing touchdowns in those games, however. Despite the closeness of the George Fox game, that experience might be crucial for Alfred this weekend since the Bombers seemingly have to regain their rhythm after playing just one game before their bye week. Ironically, Alfred had the Week 2 bye last year in their 21-13 loss to Ithaca. Historically, this has been a premier upstate New York football matchup with Alfred nearly besting Ithaca 5-4 since 2010 with the average margin of victory being under 12 points a game. The game could affect the national landscape as well as the Liberty League and Empire 8 are both conferences that remain in the pool C conversation with Ithaca and Alfred both being teams that could garner selection consideration if they finish 9-1 but don't win their respective conference automatic qualifier. Back to two guys who I have nothing witty to say about this week, Pat and Keith.
0: So I've already kind of just put Frank on the spot, now it's time to put Keith on the spot. And Keith, my on the spot challenge to you this week is to pick five games. And I want you to pick five games in which not only you pick the winner based on how you think the game is going to come out on the field, but also who you think would win in a battle of their mascots.
1: Oh, I like this. <laughs> this is too good. Okay, I need to. I need to assess, however, who would win. Like, I would like to discuss uh, Illinois Wesleyan and Wheaton. Um, do we think Thunder? In its abstract, generalness is more powerful than Titans. I think Mother Nature. I always go with Mother Nature over over humans. So uh, I would go with that because I also think when, when I think this is a really good Illinois Wesleyan team. But I also think when usually whenever we begin to look past Wheaton, they they seem to shake up the conference. So um, I kind of like I kind of like Wheaton in that one, and I think Thunder. Mother Nature is uh, is the right way to go there. That's one game, correct? Am I doing this right? Yeah,
0: that's one game. I want to get in here just for the moment that uh, people who are not fans of Wheaton after they changed their name from Crusaders to Thunder have referred to them as the sonic atmospheric disturbance.
1: Oh, that's funny. Well, it's, a, it's mildly amusing. I'm also mildly amused by uh, by Hampton-Sydney at Southern Virginia, or maybe mildly intrigued, let's say, uh, because Southern Virginia was an upset Winner uh, against Montclair State in week one in that 34 21 game, and then had a, uh, a week off and while Hampton Sydney was busy uh, losing to Averett in week one and winning at Christopher Newport last weekend. And, and those of you who follow the ODAC or have followed for a long time know that Hampton Sydney, when they have a quarterback, uh, that, that Marty Favret offense is usually pretty prolific. And I think uh, they're right in that spot this year where we're not quite sure. And this may be the the game where they bust open or this may be the game where um, we find out Southern Virginia is actually pretty good. Also, I think I think Tigers would beat Knights in real life, even if the Knights had armor and lances.
0: Yeah, I would have to think that uh, you know, despite the protection that the armor provides, it doesn't make you very mobile, and and a lance is not something that you're going to want to fight a tiger with, in my opinion.
1: Right, right. It's just going to be way too heavy, and uh, you you'll be busy getting mauled already at that point. So I think uh, that's both the right pick in real life and the correct pick in in mascot world. But I'm not uh, I'm not totally sure. All right, Hampton City
0: Get- over southern or Southern Virginia.
1: Yeah, I'm also not sure what an Aggie is. So as I pick Stevenson at Delaware Valley, how does a Mustang beat an, an Aggie? Now, the Delaware Valley Aggie's mascot is a ram uh, of some sort. So I guess that's what we're gonna we're gonna go with here. And would a ram beat an actual horse? Uh, this is as, as much of a toss-up. This also reminds me of that. What is that question? Would, would you rather have a hundred? Would you rather fight a hundred horses? And <laughs> what, what is it? One duck or a <laughs> or, or hundred
0: miniature Mike Dickas, right.
4: And I changed mine too.
1: I thought it was a mini Dick. Yeah. You know, it's, it's obviously been perverted uh, over the years. Uh, I like Delaware Valley in this one. Uh, I think Stevenson is is really good and uh, could give them a run. I wouldn't be totally stunned if, if Stevenson won this one. Um, but this is at Doylestown. Um, Delaware Valley was was not only great in in week one defensively at Kane, but uh, very respectable in the four overtime loss to Wesley in week two. I think they're going to be eager to uh, to wash the taste out of their their mouths on that one. And I also think that you know this is one of those games where we talked about in the open of the podcast where where it's you know a team has scheduled tough. And now they're giving in the, the meat of the conference schedule. And, and in the case of the Mac, it's maybe the best game in the conference is the first game. And then Delaware Valley goes through the whole conference slate and then plays its last game against its rival, Widener. So um, sometimes the season is a little weird for DelVal because it's so front loaded. And then, you know, you'll go they'll go through like three, four week stretch where they dominate. Um, and we don't know if they're just really good or their or their meet their conference is just not that good but i think i i don't know maybe in real life a horse would beat a ram but in this case i'm gonna i'll go with the one with the horns um and uh also because i think that's i think delval is uh is gonna win a pretty great game
0: i think going with the one with the horns always seems like a really good strategy delval over stevenson that's three
1: yeah i'd like to go back to that huntington uw oshkosh game mostly because. I have no idea how Hawks and Titans would even fight. Could a, could a Titan even hit a Hawk? I actually think that could be a pretty good game too, because Ashkash had changed quarterbacks. We thought at the beginning of the season it was going to be Kyle Radovich, and uh, and they've since moved on to Kobe Berghammer, which is an amazing name, by the way. Uh, he's played okay in uh, in in the loss to uh, to Salisbury. Uh, but Huntingdon hasn't been okay at all. They were—they look great, actually, in, in week one, 69-43 winner against Guilford, and it was sort of, in our minds, the continuation of the lightning strike game from a year ago. Uh, but last week, a stunning 45-13 loser at Birmingham Southern, and you just have no idea which version of Huntington you're going to get. I think as they are um, going to Wisconsin Oshkosh, they will fare about as well as a bird would against a Titan's arrow. A Titan that could shoot beats a Hawk. And I also think Oshkosh beats Huntingdon.
0: UWO over Huntingdon. And that is four. One more. And there's still one more set of Titans if you want to take Westminster of Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah, I just don't think their game is interesting enough. Although a Titan Bearcat fight could get uh, pretty interesting. Agreed. I'd love to talk about this uh, Barry Trinity game. But I think we've essentially already had the Tigers and, and Vikings, right? Tigers and Knights earlier. So we already know what, what that mascot would do. It's not an interesting enough mascot fight, although I think it's going to be a pretty interesting game in the SAA race and probably one uh, worth uh, worth keeping an eye on on Saturday. Let's go back out to the West uh, and, and talk about uh, George Fox and Pomona Pitzer. Right? Again, that offense at Pomona Pitzer is um, – Pretty high powered. And I think that George, George Fox is one of those schools that, um, you know, like a Rowan, uh, has scheduled really two tough, pretty o- pretty tough opening games. Uh, George Fox lost 35 19 to Redlands and 15 14 last week at Alfred. And now uh, coming home to face Pomona Pitzer, they should get a challenge defensively. And I think they would be up to it the same way Bruins would be up to catching sage hens. Yeah. Um, Although um, the speed there by the sage hens could be a little tough um, for (laughs) for real bears to catch. But bears are pretty darn agile. Am I right?
0: Yeah. I mean, so you've got your speed and your elusivity of your sage hens. But come on. You got to think chickens are no match on the field of battle with a bear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They just can't get caught. Well, i hope i did well on on the spot there that actually would have been a good one to research because there are probably some really funny mascot matchups and you know when when you're talking about like whoever the little giants play this week or the poets or or something like that there got to be some pretty uh pretty hilarious matchup mascot matchups on a week-to-week basis to be quite honest
0: i'm sure there are and i definitely have to thank a longtime friend of the pod sean green and then for that matter i think he has to thank uh washington state coach mike leach for inspiring this particular on the spot spot
1: pat your uh assignment your on the spot challenge from me is um, not nearly as interesting but i think it'll be amusing um, i need you to pick five winners and i need them to be in vowel form so i need a e i O and U, that means an acceptable answer would be Anderson, Earlham, not Earlham, Eureka. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. <laughs> Anderson, Eureka, uh, Illinois Wesleyan, Ohio Wesleyan, and Ursinus would be like a, a proper answer. So um, scroll through, find your A winners, not your A losers. You Got to pick winners. And then you're going to need E, I, O, and And I don't think we can do sometimes why because there are no why schools in D3. All
0: right. That sounds good. I appreciate that. Uh, I am going to start off. uh, There's a couple of really good and interesting games involving A-teams.
2: If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can
5: find them, maybe you can hire the
0: A-team. But I can't guarantee that the A-team is going to win. So I'm going to go to the well where you went last week, and I'm going to take Amherst over Colby for my game beginning with A.
1: Solid start, solid start.
0: The Eureka Albion game was kind of dying to be in this whole spot, but I'm not going to take either of them. And instead, I'm going to take East Texas Baptist over Texas Lutheran. As far as I, that's probably one of the real tricky ones here because there's only four schools in Division Three that begin with I. Illinois College is on by this week. Uh, I'm not really going to touch the Illinois Wesleyan-Wheaton game because that's too close to call. And frankly, you know, I looked at the Alfred-Ithaca game back when I was talking about A a couple of minutes ago. I didn't feel good about Alfred. I feel better about Ithaca. So I'm thinking i could take Ithaca over Alfred for the letter I.
1: All right, we need a O. You should have some choices here for O. You can go from Occidental all the way out to Ohio.
0: Well, I've got a game between... O's. So I'm going to take that game and I'm going to take Ohio Wesleyan over Oberlin.
1: Really? I think that's uh, the right
0: one. Ohio, I think that's the right winner. Yeah, right?
1: Yeah, and Ohio also uh, has Otterbein and yep. Ohio Northern. So there are tons of O's over in uh, that part of the country.
0: Yeah, but Otterbein's playing John Carroll and uh, Ohio Northern's playing Wilmington. I would definitely think that that's a, a place I could uh, grab one to, but I'm going to stick with Ohio Wesleyan. I think that's a I think that's a winner of a pick. Are we counting UWs?
1: I was just about to say, let's make a ruling that you cannot count the UW schools for the U schools, especially because we've talked we've talked about a couple of the UW games already. So you need to go um, Ursinus or somewhere in that neighborhood.
0: All right. So like University of New England is playing Castleton. That's a really interesting game. Ursinus is playing Juniata. I'm probably going to go there, but I'm going to just keep looking. I know Union is playing Springfield and... Utica is playing RPI, so out of that group, I am going to take Ursinus over Juniata. So if I remember correctly, and I'm just jotting these down because I will need these next week, I've taken Amherst, ETBU, Ithaca, Ohio Wesleyan, and Ursinus. A-E-I-O-U and Never Y.
1: Not in D three. You got a couple of tough picks there, and in, uh, in in ETBU and Ithaca, those would be pretty pretty tight games potentially. So way to take some risk where you could have went with the easy ones. Always appreciate that.
0: What were the easy ones in the I?
1: Well, yeah, you you listed the ones that weren't available. You didn't really have. A, I was thinking more there was some. E, there may have been some easier E games that you could have gone to, but I think you picked the best game because uh, Texas Lutheran ETBU is one of those ones that maybe one of those teams can give Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor a push in the uh, in, in the ASC. And so you want to see um, if either one of them are any good.
0: We're going to let the roulette wheel do its job. We've got 111 games this week and we keep getting high numbers. We're rolling this 111 sided die and it stops on 96. And game number 96 on the schedule this week actually is Utica versus RPI, a game we just narrowly avoided talking about a minute ago. Remember the rules of uh, the random game is that uh, we have to uh, do a preview of this game off the top of our heads, and then we have to pick a rivalry trophy for it as well. And so, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is that RPI is coming off of that uh, surprising loss 6-3 to three at WPI back Last week, and uh, Utica is surprising 2-0 and right now.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know how terribly surprising it is because the wins are home wins against St. Lawrence and Buffalo, and this is really the stretch these next couple of games where they're at RPI, bye week, and then at Cortland where we'll see if the Pioneers are any good this year, and there have been several years where I don't want to call it a false start, but you're like, maybe Utica... Is going to turn the corner one of these seasons, and they sort of end up being, you know, a six and four type of team, seven wins. Sometimes they drop back, you know, three, three and seven, four and six. And so, uh, I'm always curious when they when they play their first big game, what kind of effort we will get out of, out of the pioneers. Speaking of effort, I think we need to put some good, solid effort into the rivalry, the fake rivalry trophy in this one, because you're in a rivalry. Trophy part of the country. <laughs> RBI plays a plays a rivalry trophy, a rivalry game last weekend. What's the what's the name of the transit trophy? We you had made some reference to it that we cut out of the pod last week. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Are we talking about the transit theodolite the theodolite? I only wrote it down and I listened to Frank Rossi say it in last week's uh, production, and then I promptly forgot how to pronounce that thing.
1: And that's why listeners out there, when they're done with our pod need to head on over to uh, to in the huddle, apparently, so they can figure out the proper pronunciation and get the real scoop on uh, on the East region.
0: You know, Keith, you were talking about this being a big rivalry part of the country and one of the things that I always think about with uh, upstate New York or western New York rivalries is just, you know, slamming the two names of the towns or the two names of the schools together, so maybe this game could be played for the Udikektidi Cup.
1: I like that better than where I was going because I was gonna come try to come up with a playoff off, off Dutchman shoes since uh, Union and RPI mm-hmm. is that rivalry and Utica RPI sounds a little bit like it so I was just gonna maybe make it like the Fagiano shoes game but he's an <laughs> he's an Ithaca, he's an Ithaca grad so it didn't quite work so I like yours better the did you call it the the Schenectady Cup, or was it the Utiky? <laughs> how do how? I, it was only thirty seconds ago, but I've already forgotten. I called it the
0: Utikectedy Cup, but it could be the Shenectica Cup also. I guess if we wanted to go that way.
1: Shenectica <laughs> sounds like a like a drink you'd buy, like a high end, uh, like uh, when you're trying to get you know after you worked out at the gym, you're like I need to get me a Shenectica.
0: I'm pretty sure that's what the Union guys would be drinking in the uh, parking lot before the game, but I'm not
1: sure if the RPI guys would be. Mm, I'm not touching that. Uh,
0: I mean, we obviously know that the RPI guys are drinking Irish car bombs. We know that.
1: That's a deep LLPP reference. The uh, the Liberty League post patterns, was, which was probably the most active board at one point.
0: And the most entertaining, that's for darn sure. I never did have an Irish car bomb with those guys, but uh, uh, now in my 40s, I am all for one of those. An Irish car bomb is like a Guinness... With a shot of Jameson or something like that, right? It's a Guinness and a, it's a stout and a whiskey.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, so what's the one where you drop uh, Bailey's into a, into the Guinness?
0: Oh, you know what? Oh, it's all three of these things. That's interesting. So yeah, now that I'm looking up what an actual Irish car bomb actually is, and I, by, of course, I mean the drink. Thank you very much. It is, uh, it is Guinness and. A half an ounce of Jameson and a half ounce of Bailey's, and you know what? I'm still, I'm still with that. There is Guinness in this, right?
1: Brilliant. Yeah, I think the the beer is what you have to drop it into. Yeah. Sadly, I learned this at Randolph making. Just for the record, let the record reflect.
0: All right, folks. So yeah, we're looking forward to this game on Saturday between Utica and RPI for the Schenectica Cup. Anybody out there who's got a a few minutes free and is a graphic designer, feel free to uh, throw that out there. Tag us, tag the schools, and put the D3FB hashtag on it because uh, I failed drawing in kindergarten, so there's no point in watching me draw now as a grown-up. <laughs> it's time for the one-liners. I rattle off a game. Keith responds. Emery and Henry at Randolph-Macon.
1: Yeah, this used to be a de facto conference title game in the ODAC, and now it's the conference opener in the nation's most topsy-turvy league race.
0: Rowan at Hobart.
1: The profs are 0-2 but kept it competitive against Widener and Linfield and against a third potential conference champion in its non-conference schedule, might pick one off.
0: I was at a previous Roan at Hobart game. It was really cold. Those Week 13 games suck. SUNY Maritime at Merchant Marine.
1: After opening against Maine Maritime and Mass Maritime, SUNY Maritime completes its ideal non-conference slate with a game against a team across the Bay at Kings Point. Merchant Marine hasn't played since losing a 56-48 shootout back in Week 1.
0: Grove City at Case Western
1: Reserve. The Wolverines, 0 10 as recently as 2016, aim for their 10th consecutive win with a trip to Cleveland to face QB Drew Saxton and the Spartans.
0: I see you change that into USA Today's style there at the end. Aurora at Hope.
1: Hey, expect to see some offense. Aurora has scored 98 points in its 2 0 start, while the Flying Dutchman hung 80 on Defiance in week two. That's right, the points don't matter. The
0: points don't matter.
2: It's called being a professional. Points don't matter. You play to win the game. And then I give them points. I don't know why. It's just a gag to tie the show together.
0: Now, if you want to crowd them, yeah, you'd think since we're scoring the games that we would let ourselves off the hook, but there's no way we're going to do that. Quick Hits is our weekly Friday look at the upcoming set of games where we have six people giving six answers to six questions in an attempt to give you some set of opinions about the upcoming games. The quick misses are the ones we get wrong, but none of the crew got anything wrong when predicting last week's games of the week. We had two games between ranked teams and one of those went to two overtimes. The other went to four. If you need me to tell you which ones those are, I'm just going to send you back to pod 242 to get that in the area of upsets it was keith ryan tips and frank all picking teams which got upset wabash that's a pretty predictable upset johns hopkins i mean they had the same thing happen to them last year i want to give top honors to frank for picking rpi to lose to wpi but then i'm going to take a half a point deduction especially since the points don't matter since frank went to rpi's sworn enemy for life union
5: it's got to be the shoes 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 shoes. you sure is not the shoes
1: Which team will wish it played in week one? Yeah, three of us got Wabash, and I got Illinois Wesleyan. DePauw by Adam. That was another great pick. Teams that went a surprising 0-2. Bridgewater State was correct from both Pat and I. George Fox from Ryan. Framingham State from Frank. Though not sure how much uh, unexpected that is. Ohio Northern, incorrect from Quick Hits guru Greg Thomas, but the extra wrong answer from Adam Tora who picked Misericordia to go 0-2. The only thing that was misery didn't have any company this week, at least not of the varsity variety. Misericordia doesn't play its second varsity opponent until next week. Last week, they played Keystone, which plays just two varsity games this season. And as far as we read the rules, doesn't play enough games to count as a varsity opponent.
0: (laughs) Keith, I just have the mic on mute, mute, and I'm laughing my butt off because anytime that you have to read something that I wrote, it always comes off as completely hilarious. So thank you for that.
1: I the uh, I, I did have I did know the misery didn't have any company joke was coming, but the other stuff I hadn't hadn't read earlier. So uh,
0: the last thing out of our, uh, our quick hits uh, recap is uh, last week, of course, was uh, East versus West. And uh, that was an even split uh, from our six pollsters. Ryan, Frank and Greg not only got the correct region, but they nailed which three teams got the wins. Linfield for the West, George Fox and Salisbury for the East and you can see this week's quick hits on the website by noon on Friday and again thanks to the uh, new guru of quick hits for taking that off of my plate. Greg Thomas is doing a great job of picking the questions and it's so much easier when I only have to give six responses and not compile all the rest. Back to pass looking in the near corner for Nap, and it's intercepted! Zahar at the goal line returning it to the 30. Down to the The pick six. Keith picks a winner. Nothing else. Keith have you noticed that we're trying to get this done in the minute or so that it took Mike Zahar uh, to go end zone down? The end zone in stag bowl 32 and then our analysis of it
1: i definitely did not make the connection to stag bowl 32
0: yeah that's the that's the noise underneath the pick six here we go carlton at saint Olaf.
1: saint Olaf. center at austin they also kicked carlton out of the conference after that
0: <laughs> center at austin <laughs> it's trouble now we didn't know it over whittier at lewis and clark
1: Lewis and Clark, nap. although that's a, that's technically go either way. Yeah,
0: right. Uh, Simpson at Dubuque.
1: Nap, wow. Uh, how about Dubuque? Rowan at Hobart. I like Rowan in this one. I don't know necessarily why. I think maybe they've been roughed up a little bit by their first two games, and, and we are, got super excited about Hobart beating Brockport, but I could be dead wrong.
0: And then we'll finish it off with Stevenson at DelVal.
1: I already picked Elva once in this podcast, so I need to stick with them. Yeah. It
0: is. yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And this was D3Football.com, Around the Nation podcast, number 243, released on September 20th, 2019. Thanks for listening, and keep an eye on the rest of our coverage throughout the weekend. If you like this podcast, please consider rating it in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That will help other football fans find it. You can leave comments for us on the blog page. And if you're looking for, you know, uh, our blog, our podcast on one of those services we've got the links to our uh, podcast on apple podcast google spotify and stitcher for you you can reach us to talk more about division three football on twitter using the d3 fb hashtag i'm at d3 football keith is at d3 keith we have a message board devoted to division three sports did you know you can join the conversation by registering to post at d3boards.com also you can follow d3football.com on facebook the executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman, production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music and a lot of other music in this podcast is by DJ Mentos, whom you can find at DJMentos.com. Thanks to our correspondents, Adam Turr, Greg Thomas, and Frank Rossi, along with guest Mike Schmidt and sports information director David Johnson for their time and their assistance on this edition of our show. And of course, thanks to the creator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com and my co-host, Keith McMillan just thank you for being here and coming back obviously it's, uh, it's fun to do this with somebody else and uh, Jim Catanzaro did a really good job of kind of embracing the rundown and getting you know stuff written and bold pointed out and all sorts of stuff that we need to do as we're making the sausage <laughs> making the sausage on this podcast but uh, uh, it's always uh, it's, it's good to have the, uh, the A crew here
1: oh well that's precious uh, I think it's cool to hear somebody else do it every now and again and and see if they view what we do in any different way, if they bring a different type of energy to it or uh, or just, you know, the different perspectives, because uh, especially in, in the case of Coach Cat, he's kind of a um, person who's actually doing the the job, doing the work that we're here covering. So that's uh, uh, it's always interesting to hear uh, from that view.
0: Yeah, and if we ever don't have the A crew, then we'll look for the E crew or the I crew or the O crew or the U crew.
3: There'll be a time to to look at all this stuff and to reflect, but now's not the time.